0: chase, okay? What are you guys selling?
1: If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay
0: him. Pay that man his
1: money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend.
0: I'm
1: a big
2: fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and I'm Tom Howell. Mr. Matt and the board. SP futures down 25. NASDAQ futures down 111. That doesn't tell kind of the full story. We were creeping We were creeping yesterday up to the even mark, about 10 to 3, and all of a sudden the market just got the rug pulled out of the S&P or the NASDAQ futures were almost positive and they closed down 60. Ouch on that trade. Do we have Mr. Lou? Could, How are you, buddy? Uh,
3: it's just peachy. Just hey, peachy? I, want, yeah, I wanted to lead with something that is a bit, unique.
2: Oh, and I think you need to get to a different yeah, spot in the room first. History. You Need to get to a different spot in the yeah, room first.
3: Yeah, you, you guys sound terrible too. How's this? It's a little better. Huh? It's weird. Okay. One, that just, one that's just was just a you know
2: um, the uh Trevor Jenkins uh, yeah we have we have to have a I think Lou's upset because his girlfriend Nancy Pelosi lost her race in Alaska this is weird uh these guys are gonna have a. <clears throat> they run evidently the uh I'm not sure if Lou will know when he comes back uh can't ever really, I don't think you can ever really appoint a representative, and maybe you can. They had an election for somebody who either died or quit or something. Today, and they're having another election in, in November, so whoever w- wins this election is only in for whatever, two months? Well, I guess you're in all, all the way to, to January, but uh, some lady who was the uh, first native Ameri- Native Alaskan native to, uh, to win in Congress. Um, she was the, <laughs> good lord, she was the executive director of the Cusco's Wim River Intertribal Fish Commission. Um, that's interesting. Anyway, Sarah Palin, two, but two Republicans ran against her, which is even even weirder. Lou, you there, bud?
3: Yeah, let's try. Let, let's try this now.
2: Hey, you know your girlfriend lost in Alaska, Alaska.
3: Yeah, she's <laughs> not my girlfriend, and I I'll be interested to see. You know, they they run again. They they uh, have another election in November. So it'll be interesting to see. We get we got another test of the system, and and we'll see how it, how it works.
2: Lou, a time,
3: I have a hard time. You, you can't draw anything from Alaska politics.
2: No, I just I have um, a question. Uh, in, in every state, can you can you never appoint a representative? Is always got to be elected?
3: I think that's correct, but I don't know.
2: So who's ever winning there? Never heard,
3: I've never heard of a congressman being appointed.
2: No, I haven't either. But senators obviously are appointed, right? If one dies or sick or something.
3: Yes. Yeah. But I've never heard of a I've never heard of a congressman being appointed. I presume that has something to do with uh the frequency of the elections.
2: Well it's but, known as the people's uh, house, not the appointed house, I guess, huh?
3: Yeah. Right, so. Um well of course you know, senators senators used to be appointed. Right. They were not. They were not elected. So I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know the history on that with the house. I probably. I probably should look it up. I wanted to talk before I was so rudely interrupted by my own crappy phone signal. I wanted to talk about uh, the Trevor Jenkins situation in Chicago. And for the listeners who don't know, Trevor Jenkins is an offensive lineman that the Chicago Bears have been uh, well. First they. First they liked him a lot, then they, then they hated him. Then he indicated he didn't care for them very much, and, and now, now it seems like they are, uh, they're making up very quickly. And I, I, I wanted to just address the situation that occurs with NFL players and, and maybe pro-athletes and other teams, but specifically with NFL players when you have a situation where the, the player and the coaching staff seem to have some kind of personality conflict. And remember, the Bears, the Bears have changed their coaching staff. Again, this is for the listeners outside of Chicago. But I, I just wanted to address the situation because my father, who was an offensive line coach with, with an NFL team for many years, confronted this, I won't say regularly, but confronted it occasionally. And, and I mean, I, I was privy to his conversations with my mother when he would talk about how you dealt with some of these guys who who you know just either didn't seem to buy into what you were doing or didn't you know care for you as a coach or uh, or whatever. And and it, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting process. Um my father would make a point of you know talking to each of the guys that, that he that he brought in and especially the the, the people that, that he that he thought were gonna succeed and would make a point, basically, of challenging them um, and in the initial, you know, in the, in the initial interactions with them. Either and, and, and some of these challenges were pretty funny. So they used to play racquetball with with their draft picks or people they were looking at signing, just as just part of a an idea, just sort of watching athleticism and watching people move around and how they they reacted to this stuff and you know. Uh, again, the idea of you taking a, a, a potential draft pick who's worth you know millions of dollars and putting him on a racquetball court to run around, even if they didn't play much, uh, is it, crazy today. You know, you would never, you would never do that. It's it, it's too too risky. But he and and Bud and a couple of the other coaches would would get these guys on racquetball courts and they and they would you know they'd watch them move around, look at their athleticism, but then my father and one, at least one of the other coaches that I knew of would start hitting these guys with the ball, deliberately. And, I mean, if you've been hit, it's not like getting hit with a baseball, but if you get hit with a racquetball, it stinks. Oh, God, yeah. And especially if you're you getting hit with a racquetball by somebody who knows how to swing it. my father, this other coach, were, were, my father was a class A, a low class A player. And I, I, I remember him talking about this and I said, why are, why are you hitting them? <laughs> he said, "Because I want to see how they react, and they would they would hit him with a ball, or they would they would bounce him You know, they they shove, they get into him and try to physically move him off spots and, and push him a little bit, just to see how they would react." And I and he said, "You know, the guys the guys that even if they didn't really care for you personally, once they made you as a coach understand, I'm gonna I'm gonna." stand up to you or I'm not gonna take this or I'm gonna I'm gonna react to this kind of you know attempted sort of physical intimidation by by you know taking a stand and pushing back. My father would said, you know, we sort of understood each other. And and even if they didn't agree with with what I was doing, there was some kind of sort of base level understanding that this is the kind of person you were. And and they they got along. What is um, what is it with you, Minnesotans
2: and racquetball? One of the, who was the coach after Bud Grant?
3: Oh, uh, oh, it was Les Steckel.
2: No, it was, was other, there was a guy right after him. The guy, oh. oh, Jerry Burns. Because Jim uh, Mike Burns was one of my well acquaintances on the trading floor, and I think Mike was a he was an Illinois champion racquetball player or something. I mean, he was really good.
3: Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike. I know Mike. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know him. Um, yeah, he, he was a good he was a good athlete, and, and well, Jerry Jerry was a good athlete.
2: Well, you know, my uh, my
3: all those coaches. But I mean, but I mean, just the idea that you would establish this kind of level or this baseline level of understanding, and and it's it's interesting to me to see players get into these kinds of disputes and for these disputes to become public. And and what that means, I mean, for the player, I I assume for the player, um, he's if he's smart, he's set you know, he sat down and he's had this conversation with, with the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator in Chicago to say, Look, irrespective of whatever you guys think of me as a person uh, I'm going to demonstrate that I'm a good football player. And that apparently is what this kid is doing now or has done.
2: Well, they moved in regard. Oh. I, I think this yeah, goes, moved. I, I think there's backstories on this only because it's the Bears. Uh, <laughs> and the, the backstories are this is like the third time really in the last, well, certainly in, since I've been watching them, maybe in the last decade that they have used a, a high pick, either one or two, I think this kid was two because they didn't have a one or something, they used a high pick on an offensive lineman that showed up hurt, that had back surgery like the second they got here. The guy from Texas and the guy yeah. from uh, a, even Ted Albrecht way back in the day had. So I think there's that there's this I mean, the, the McCaskey family does not want to pay that kind of money to somebody who's not paying playing. And that goes back to Papa Bear for God's sake. They up you know the leopard the family doesn't but the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree or whatever they say. And I, and I and I think there's always this tension where. Were you hurt when you got here? You didn't tell us. It's our fault. It's your fault. By the way, you should be playing because you played your last game of whatever college you were in, and now you're now you're too hurt to play here. It was a whole year; and a kid didn't play, right? So, I mean, I think there's yeah, that, well, there's well, a huge uh, tension and, going and, on. And I'll, and
3: I'll just tell you, this is this is all part. This is all part of that coaching interaction. And and my father dealt with guys who who had you know who had chronic injuries, and I think you know the, the in the mind of the coaching staff. What is what is playing out right now with this guy is is, is and, and I don't know if they've had the direct conversation with him. My father always did. If if they have had a direct conversation with him, uh, that's been good for them. But if they haven't, then I, as far as I'm concerned, that's on the coaching. That's on the coaching staff. But well they
2: there
3: well sure have a direct conversation with this kid saying what we expect you. Here's what we expect, and here's what we need, and you need to you need to be honest with us and tell us what you know what's playing out rather than this idiotic back and forth in the press about, oh, this guy's trade bait or, or whatever. I mean I mean that's a that's a terrible way to coach and and I'm hoping that, that they've got it you know, they've got it put behind him. I mean it looks like he's playing it looks like he's playing fairly well right now. Well they
2: moved him to guard and two weeks later they cut the guy that they signed to play guard, so he better be good.
3: Well yeah, I I mean I think that's why I say I, I just it's interesting to me to watch this play out and and as i said i have i have personal experience with it because i watched it you know i watched it in my household where where uh you know my father's move initially was to just deal with personality issues head on let's establish a baseline of understanding or or respect for each other and then and then once that got established people were people were fine and 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 and, i mean. When I, I talked to players about my father, they, he, they said, listen, one of the great things about your dad was, you know, you never, you, as a player, you never wondered where you stood with him. You never wondered, you know, what was going on. Because it, it, everything was always right to your face, direct. This is what I think. This is where we have a problem. This is where you did well. And and every one of the guys that, that, that you know, came back for his memorial service said, exactly the same thing in that
2: regard. Well, you know, you it, know it's, it's funny was. that these teams have this history of doing this stuff, and they drafted a guy, I think he was, well, I'm not sure, I was he out of Cal, Ted Albrecht? I'm not sure, he was somewhere, and uh, you can just tell right away the guy was undersized for like a left tackle, but because they drafted him as a tackle, he was going to play tackle no matter what, and he had some back issues as well, and I'm thinking... He, he motored around for a while, had a career playing tackle, and he was, you know, not, you know I'm going to say very mediocre. The dude was, was you know, I'm not an offensive line coach, it was obvious to me that if he just moved the guy over to guard, he probably would have been an all-pro. I mean, it, you know, he, he had that ability. He just didn't have the big, long arms you want as a tackle, but he was strong as an ax, and, and, and he knew how to block, and his footwork was great. I, I mean, you wondered. he... The, these teams make and make and break these players. Sometimes, I mean, they, they just by their own stupidity. I, I think, but this kid.
3: Yes. Oh no. That I, I I agree. I mean that that was one of the points that 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 these uh, ex players uh, had had mentioned is that is that it was in many ways a breath of fresh air with respect to to you know working with you know my father and some and a number of the other people on the Viking coaching staff.
2: What um. I was gonna. Uh, anyway,
3: I wanted, I just wanted. I wanted to start with that just because of the insight. And oh then, yeah. And then I want to just uh, at some point I want to talk about Gorbachev.
2: Um. Yeah. I just gotta insult you a little bit though, on uh, not you personally, oh, but, but your. That's how I like to start today. Yeah, in, 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 insult you and your, and your heroes, legal heroes. I was gonna a- ask you today, and I will if we have some time, what the status and what you thought of this minor league lawsuit trying to get the. Uh, are the uh, what the antitrust exemption overturned. And I uh so of course I I tried to prepare myself so you don't know way more than me. You always know more than me, but I like to keep it to a minimum. So I started digging through this and I I don't know, and I, and I talked to an attorney last night who's uh been a baseball fan forever and he, we both thought that this was a congressional thing and, and it's not. It's a Supreme Court decision, correct? Yes. And yeah, I the
3: baseball the baseball and antitrust it's 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 been limited a little bit by statute. And and, and you know, it, it's it's so so it, it has had some ups and downs. But yeah, it's it, it's not a collective bargaining it's not driven by the collective bargaining system. It's driven by that Supreme Court case back in what, nineteen twenty one or
2: twenty two? Twenty two and I and I, I read the opinion. <laughs> Ooh, it's it was a unanimous decision by by every attorney's hero I'll, Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote the thing. Lou, I've never yep. run a, I've, I've never read a, a dumber piece of of literature in my life. It's insane. Oh, well, well two two things. If you read older Supreme Court decisions,
3: like something like Dred Scott or something like that, the level of analysis that's expressed in the writing is is almost always pales in comparison to the level of analysis you see now. Uh, just just because that was the style and that was the that was the way they did it. But yeah, the idea the idea that baseball was a uh, was a game not subject to trade or commerce laws is just is just ridiculous. No no it wasn't because it out of the air. It
2: wasn't, was was because it was a game. It was because it was in trust state. The game was actually played in the states. And even though the owners paid people and forced people across state lines to go play when they were done playing, there was nothing to sell. If they went over there and, like, you know, made widgets, and then you sold the widgets across state lines, and they said the whole thing was not interstate commerce, even though people cross, they, they crossed the states' lines at their of their free will, and played an intrastate exhibition, even though they conceded that the owners paid them paid them to cross the lines and made them cross the lines. I mean, louis I'm reading this thing. I the third
3: remember. One. Okay, so this is this is before. Uh, Wickard versus Filburn, which is the big, you know, I believe, the Interstate Commerce Clause case that that occurred in the thirties as the Supreme Court began to rewrite our concept of federalism. And so this is pre this is pre that the 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 idea of privity of contract and the idea that the government was not supposed to intrude in stuff like this in any meaningful way uh, was still very strong in the in the courts.
2: Well, I you know. I, I think it had to do. with... I, I mean,
3: I, I, that's 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 just the way it's. I I think I agree with you. I don't think it's the dumbest decision I've ever read. That's Roe versus Wade, but but this is or Dred Scott or the. Um, oh shoot! I dumped the name of it. The, the the Japanese internment cases. Uh, yeah, in the well, Second World War. But but yeah, this one this one's up there.
2: Well, the weird part I, I had no idea that they. That the guy had won in a lower court and actually was assigned or assigned triple damages as the Sherman Act calls for, right? And then all the, they won an appellate. The, I, I can't believe it was seven zip with the, with the head guy writing this really ludicrous opinion that because it, it was an interstate game and there was nothing to sell afterward, it was an exhibition and wasn't really commerce. I'm like, for God's sake, what are you talking? About? But, but my question, yeah,
3: well, well, I mean, I mean, the, the, the craziness, the craziness of it is that baseball is the only sport. That's looked at this way and and as i said the the stat, the exemption was nibbled away a little bit by the uh, kirk flood act i think of uh mid-90s anyway the, the kirk flood act um, um put put employment the uh, employment part of that antitrust exemption in in some you know in some control of the
2: well it clearly uh, hasn't trust laws but but it yeah
3: i mean it, it it's it's crazy. Well, I guess my like, qu- the-
2: one, 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 just a question. And you and I have talked. and Kevin and I have talked, and, and surely Carl and I. When, when you have these laws, it almost seems like whatever it is, there needs to be a sunset on just about everything. You know, maybe not on the Bill of Rights, but uh, the whole the whole point was it was an interstate commerce. Well, the the first time these guys sign a national TV agreement, it sure is sure as bleep is the whole The whole the whole ruling goes out the window. I mean, I mean, how, how does somebody not look at it again and say, "Wait a minute, it's now it's now 2022 it's, or instead of 1922"? This is nuts. I mean, the whole reason for it is crazed. It's like saying, "I uh, you you won the case because uh, you, you can't get from L.A. to to uh, New York in in less than th- in less than a month and a half." All of a sudden, they put a railroad in, and now it's six days. I mean, well, okay. It's, the world kinda changes a little I mean, why don't these things just automatically change or get reviewed? I
3: I, I don't know. I mean the short answer, the short answer is there are very um, there are very powerful interests at play and it's not just baseball owners. There are very powerful interests at play to to keep these things going and, and you know, the 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 major league ability or major league baseball's ability to control this farm system, control the, these players. I mean, that reaches down, not just to the not just to the MLB teams, but to every every little town, every little city yeah. that has a minor league team, and wants that team there. And you, you know, that team's a big that team's a big deal. And and I mean, if you so some of the some of the most gorgeous stadiums I've ever seen are these little, you know, minor league stadiums that get built in in places like the Quad Cities or, uh, the, what is, who is it? The, the, is it, um, the Railcats?
2: Oh, in uh, in, uh South, and, uh,
3: Gary. South Bend? Or Gary. Gary. You know, that, that's a, that's a gorgeous little stadium tucked away there.
2: Yeah, what a, what a wasted dough for the city. Are they still playing? Yeah, what a wasted dough for the city. No, they didn't play last year with the COVID or the year before. They were one of the few teams huh. in that, There, they were like, Eighteen teams in that division, and like eight or nine of them bowed out, and the rest of them played. They were one of the ones that bowed out, because the Schamburg Flyers, I think, were in the same league, and they played.
3: Yeah, well, well. So, so again, the, the move, the, the lawsuit, the lawsuit settled, as I recall, the MLB or the minor league team lawsuit settled. But but yeah, there's a good you reach you reach what I think is is the correct issue. Why is this exemption still intact? And the answer is because there's a lot of very a lot of big money and some very politically powerful entities that are in the mix on this um, that that want to preserve MLB's exemption. I think it's crazy. I, I think I think it's it's a ridiculous standard. It doesn't um, it doesn't com- comport with any of the other. Uh, major major sports leagues, their their antitrust exemptions or their their uh, antitrust uh, escape clauses are based on the fact that they have to negotiate collectively with their labor union, and and that that balances out the the power about the uh, power disparity. You don't have that in major league baseball. The irony is, chief, that the most successful union in in the history of american you know labor negotiations is the baseball players union.
2: well and, y- yes and, and no. in large
3: part that's because in large part that's because i think that's because they have not the, the the ownership has not had to confront that kind of that kind of bargaining power in any kind of meaningful way the antitrust exemption because it's based on a court decision Prevents them from working collaboratively with the union, and that's why you've had strikes that have literally shut down major
2: league baseball seasons. Right, but the the difference is, and we got a dash for a break here, is, and I've, I've been, you know, I've been <laughs> complaining about this since you and I met. The difference is, five percent of all people in major league baseball controls are the people that are really covered by this collective bargaining. They don't care about the minor leaguers. Ninety five percent of the people who play baseball that are covered by this antitrust exemption are, don't even have a union. The, yes, the, so yeah. that, that's what's screwed no, up about it. I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's interesting for Marvin Miller to say, you know, after after six years you get or five years you get to be a, you get to be a free agent. Well, what percentage of, of people who sign a baseball contract every year reach that spot? One percent? Yeah, I don't know what the I don't
3: know what the flow is from. From minor leagues to, I'll, I'll bet. to major leagues, but it's got to be—it's got to be comparable to college football to pro football.
2: I got Well, I'm going to um, in terms our, of percentage. Our expert, uh, Maddie, how many players do you think get signed a year after the draft? 700, 800?
4: Um, how many players get signed after the draft?
2: A uh, baseball because there's like thirty teams <laughs> and thirty rounds, right? Or
4: yeah, there is. Um, yeah, could be.
2: So, and how many people are eligible for arbitration every year? Five.
4: I don't know what the number is, but um, it's a lot less than that. It's it's a lot less than the 800, that's for sure. Um, SP futures down 19, NASDAQ
2: futures down 87. This does not look good. It's five days in a row. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
2: Well, and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tomamos Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down seventeen fifty. Come back a little bit here. Nasdaq Futures down eighty. Dow Futures down one fifty. Uh, individual stocks of note. The major one here is Nvidia. Uh, it's trading one forty four thirty eight. Was it thing was three twenty nine in November. Uh, it's a semiconductor stock and a uh, U.S. government now has restricted chip sales to China and uh, evidently they sell a lot to China. So whack whack. The stock was I think one eighty a week ago. So. We happen to have uh, one of the places I do business with. It's probably one of the biggest holdings of people there is this NVIDIA. Uh, if you watch CNBC all day long, you own NVIDIA. Kramer named his dog NVIDIA or something. I won't go into that, but it, it's pretty ugly. Uh, in Europe, we've got the DAX down 164, 1.3%. Ouch. Uh, puts you down 93, 1.3%, almost exactly. Uh, and cack around. get a look at this. Every one of these three is down 1.28%. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Or in Asia. E.K. down 4.30, 1.5%, Shanghai down 17.5%, uh, Hang Seng after trying to make a move toward 20,000, not so today, down 357, 19,598, so way about, way below that. Uh, yesterday, we were, like I said, we were making a move to be up in the last half hour and then it just turned right around. Dow was down 280, S&P down 31, Nasdaq down 66, and I'm saying it was down like five, a quarter to three, it was crazy. Uh, bonds up seven basis points, 3.20. Uh, Bund up four basis points, 1.58. Japan up one basis point to 0.24, where they pretty much have been forever. Oil down another dollar, 78, 77 Brent down 197, 93.67. Natural gas down five cents, 908, still above nine. Arbob down six cents, 237. And as I went to pick up Maddie up this morning, what was the thief on your block, Maddie? 537 or something? He's three hours over Arbob. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, gold. Down 1370, 1712. Uh, last time it got down to 1698 before it flew back up again. I wonder if it's, well, whatever. I don't know. Every time I try and buy this thing, it goes down. Silver down 33 cents, 1755. Copper down 6 cents, 346. We've got Bitcoin down 202 to 20,007. So right on the 20,000 line. And we have the US dollar. The euro is back over a dollar, $1.12. Maddie, yeah, so it's slightly over a dollar, not much. We got us, Traffic Weather Sports.
4: 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of issues already this morning here on a Thursday. There's a vehicle fire on the northbound Stevenson just before Central Avenue, which is exit 285. That fire is blocking the left lane. Apparently, it's been extinguished and equipment continues to block the left lane uh, with crews on the scene. So expect significant delays on the northbound Stevenson, that's the inbound side. Of course, right across the way on the uh, outbound side, we have uh, a crash due to gapers from the vehicle fire, as that always happens, and that's right at Central on the outbound Stevenson. So there's solid traffic on that side as well. So I-55 in both directions not looking great here uh, at this hour. We also have a disabled vehicle on the Tri-State northbound at East St. Charles Road. That disabled vehicle is blocking the right lane and causing some delays. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Eisenhower, normal traffic volumes. Uh, Dan Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford uh, are looking normal as well. Same for DuSable Lakeshore Drive. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, another beautiful day. It's the first day of September, Chief. Uh, Partly cloudy skies, a high of 86. Right now it's crystal clear and 73 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 105 today. Right now it's clear and 89. In sports, White Sox got word uh, that Tony LaRussa would continue his medical leave indefinitely. He missed uh, last night's game as he's going to go meet with his doctors uh, down in Arizona. Uh, Bench coach Miguel Cairo led the team, and the Sox beat the Royals. 4-2 was the final in that one, snapping their five-game losing streak. White Sox are five back now in the AL Central. Cubs beat the Blue Jays seven to five up in Toronto. Diamondbacks were blown out by the Phillies eighteen to two. And in WNBA hoops, down at Wintrust Arena, the Chicago Sky evened up their semifinal series against Connecticut at one game apiece in their best of five, winning eighty-five to seventy-seven last night. Sky are looking to get back to the finals for the second year in a row uh, as they're the defending champions in the WNBA. Chief,
2: um, is warming up? Joe Girardi's in town. Matt Weber's available.
4: That's right. A lot of options for the White Sox.
2: Would the wife would the wife kill you if you took
4: that job? <laughs> Not if she saw the paychecks.
2: I don't, I don't know. She might uh bankman would be pissed. He'd be on the road to He'd much. be
4: pissed, but I mean those guys what start at what, three mil a year, five mil a year?
2: I don't know if you'd be in the top end walking in for, well, far, for I, a month and a half. I
4: don't I'm talk I don't think that's the top end. I think uh, I think you're yeah, probably starting true. at three, right? Yeah, you know, what are they giving what are they giving Rossi? I can find that out pretty quickly.
2: Lou I have a a quick question for you regarding uh, finance and politics. David Ross
4: is two point two five. There you go. You're right. So running he's first time manager. Uh, 2.25 mil. So I was a little high on my guess of three at the starting rate, but call it two. I'll take that. You'll take that. Um, would uh, yeah, that'd be inter- Would you get us tickets? Um, occasionally, not. I wouldn't spoil anybody.
2: Well, I, w- I want a real ticket. I don't. I'm not going to my phone.
4: No, I agree. You'd get a. Well, I don't know if real tickets exist, but it's, if you're talking about paper. I think they do for a the A real bi- ticket. In chief's mind, it's not a real ticket if it's if it's uh, not paper. Yeah, but in reality, yes. there was so much counterfeiting going on with the paper tickets. Uh, now you have your ticket and it's your ticket, which is kind of nice.
2: I think it's. Uh,
3: it's it- also easier to transfer. That's true too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it just it just it's just easier. Can I can I give an anecdote on paper? The real real tickets. Yes. When I when I was a law student uh, at Duke in 1985 uh, computerized research for lawyers was in its infancy Westlaw had just come out uh, there was one computer terminal in the entire Duke Law library that, that was reserved for faculty use um, or or certain types of, of uh, clinical study programs and I was enrolled in one of those um, I was representing as a student, I was representing a uh, a young man in a guardian ad litem proceeding, which is a is a parental rights uh, case. And and the, the the prosecutor had referenced the government attorney had referenced some some theory or some any some argument, and I ran into the law library late that night and got on the computer terminal and printed out a case that was directly on point. That was had been issued something like you know a month or two ago, which was it, at that time, if you had if you had access to, to cases that had been decided within the last month, you were cutting edge. Um, I printed it out on on the Westlaw terminal, and and it was printed on thermofax paper. And you guys remember that oh, yeah. the flimsy kind of greasy paper that yep. fax machines printed out on. So, yes, and it, and it came off a it came off a roll, so it was curled at the end. So I cut it into like know I don't know eight inch sheets or whatever but it was all curled up and I I stuck it in my uh, in my my notebook and then ran to the courthouse the next day and and you know the, the government makes its argument and I get up and I I tell the court you know there's a case directly on point here and and I'll read for the decision and I start reading and the judge stops me about 30 seconds in and he said Mist, Mr. Michaels this was North Carolina Mr. Michaels What are you reading from? And I said, Your Honor, this is the Westlaw printout of this case. And he said, Young man, the law in North Carolina comes from books. Go down to my law (laughs) library (laughs) library and find that case. (laughs) And so your paper (laughs) ticket, your paper ticket comment harkens back to uh, harkens back to that very. Enlightening session with that with that gentleman. In the all all <laughs> I know is that
2: the guys here that have had tickets forever, because I want to ask you some more well more important stuff. But the last year that they had it, you didn't get paper tickets. They had like they split them up between ten and twelve people. Every single one of the people had to sign up for somebody. When you sell a ticket, it has to run through the Major League Baseball thing. They have to know your email address, and I think there's even a service fee or something. I don't need that little. I mean. If, if you want to if you want to bring me to a game, hand me the ticket and let's walk in. I, I think that total that counterfeit stuff is total BS.
3: Just so well, you. I don't I don't know, but I do know I do know that for for major events, I mean for all my all of my tickets for my Air Force games this year have gone digital, and and they've just told people we're not we're not taking uh, paper tickets except in. I mean, if you want to get a paper ticket, you go to a there's one gate at the stadium that's handling paper tickets the rest of it's all digital and um if you want to go in you've got it you know you've got to have the app on your phone and 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 do all this stuff i mean i personally like it i understand it gives a degree of control that's kind of crazy but in some respects if i was at a high value event like like a rock concert or something like that the the ability to instantly know i mean i mean on, on axiom or uh Access or, or some of the other t- Ticketmaster. If if there's an issue with your ticket, you know right away. And 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 if you if you got the ticket, uh, it, it's virtually impossible for somebody else to walk in and say, "Well, that's my seat or, or whatever." And and so, I, I kind of like the security of the digital tickets. Again, for high value events, for Air Force football games or, or you know, run-of-the-mill pro sports, I don't know if it makes that so much difference, but. But for the high value events it it makes a huge difference
2: well how do you how do you just walk over and want to go to a cub game and i'm a block away I just walk over how do i how do i get in and if the guy has an extra if, if some people have four seats and one guy doesn't show up how do how do i get
4: it if you're with uh if you're with the person that has the four seats you you don't need it on your phone you're with them they scan their phone four times um if you're if they if they're If you're not with them, then they would have to transfer it to you, and it either transfers via the app or via email.
2: Because my brother went to a couple of Cubs games with with some of our clients, and he was a whole afternoon messing with this app, with Major League Baseball.
4: Well, that would be someone that doesn't know how to use technology then, because it it takes (laughs) about 10 seconds.
3: I would would say that's more a function of... um, He's Perhaps pretty he's age rather than the
4: application well, yeah, but he's way, way better at this than I am. Now that but. said, I mean, there's no doubt that handing someone a paper ticket and they don't have to do anything is easier than downloading an app, and uh, and then you know, all you have to do is download the app, sign, on, create a username and password, just like anything else, and then your tickets there. On, on the other hand,
3: on on the other hand, I, I transferred I, I had two Air Force tickets at a game I wasn't going to be able to go to, and um, I called a friend of mine who is in Dallas. And I said, hey, would you be interested in going to this football game? He said, sure, I'll come in as a retired airline pilot, so airfare is nothing. He he said, yeah, I, I'll, I'll come in for the game. I said, fine, I'll transfer the tickets to you now. And, and 30 seconds later, you had them.
4: Yeah, that's the nice um, thing. You don't have to mail anything. You don't have to meet anybody. Um, it's it's nice for season ticket holders. When I was a Bulls season ticket holder, it was such a nightmare trying to meet people that you don't know and schedule You know, yeah. downtown or go to their neighborhood or they go to your neighborhood, and then are they going to be sketchy? Or are they going to try to rob you? <laughs> now it's a click of the button, and it's transferred, and, and you don't transfer it until the money's already in your account.
2: Um, I understand that the only place they have tickets is for the skyboxes, so I'll just hold out for that.
3: There you go. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. So, Louis. Although I think that's a, I think that's a lousy viewing experience. Um, <laughs> let, let me let me talk briefly about about Gorbachev and, uh, and his. Can I ask you and,
2: a? Can I ask you a quick political question first? Uh, uh, it, it'll ne- it's never quick, but yes. We have fifteen minutes, so we'll, I'll, I'll keep it to four. Um, obviously, when you when you have inflation happening, you, we got an election year coming up with a you know, and it's up in the air as who gets house and whatever. We, we
3: we don't we don't have inflation happening because they passed that bill that has gonna stop
2: inflation. Uh, it was in the title. Uh yeah, well it's. <laughs> I I could I could call myself a Jackie too, Lou. It doesn't make me a jackie <laughs> just, just saying. Uh boy, I wouldn't want to be that horse. Uh, anyway the well, uh, no
3: that's that's the old uh, I think it's Mark Twain who said how many legs does a dog have if you have a if you call the tail a leg? Yeah. The answer is four on your tail a leg doesn't make it a leg
2: that's right <laughs> that's true um, so obviously I'm not going to go through a big deal here but if you have if you have inflation for a while the people who own assets people who own stocks people who are, are the owner bees the one percenters usually do very well with inflation where the rest of the people don't and now all of a sudden the Fed is kind of turning this bus around a little bit and all the debate is is Powell going to have basically the balls to do what he says he's going to do and, and most people think he won't be able to pressure wise but most people on TV, I, I, I have no idea. Well, i got to believe, Lou, that the pressure on him and the, and, the, and the representatives normally would be, hey, tell that bleep if he drops his market at another 10%, um, you're, you're getting your last check from me. But now I also think that the inflation has gotten so bad for the rest of society that there's as there's, there's many corresponding phone calls saying, hey, I can't feed my family, you better stop this crap. I'm almost wondering if if the if the pressure is almost even now. I don't. But I have have no way of gauging that. Hmm.
3: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I do too. The the only thing, everything that's driving the train in in DC right now, as, as far as I can tell, is not based on any kind of you know voter response there's very little accountability within within the executive branch on these kinds of issues because the press is not holding them accountable and and until it does they're they're not going to feel i don't think i don't think they're going to feel the pressure that a normal you know a normal voter feels these guys are these guys are ideologues and, and we that, that that's that's why we're seeing some of this ridiculous stuff coming out i mean there was no other reason for that student loan forgiveness thing to go through um, which, which, but the Wharton School just said is going to is going to increase the budget deficit by a trillion dollars in turing, and ultimately cost us a trillion dollars in terms of its overall yeah. economic impact. I don't know about that? But um, there, there was, there was, well, there was no, you know, whatever it was. There was no reason for that for that program to be enacted, unless unless you're, you know, basically insulated from any kind of real world uh, decision making uh, process. So. I, I think the answer. I think the answer is that it, the only way that, that this administration is going to is going to get things turned around is is if they get kicked out of office and, and the people that uh, are making these decisions find themselves limited by by the uh, by political reality, which is you don't have enough votes in Congress to do what you want. Well, I, I will say that given the way they're making decisions right now in the White House that that student loan thing is is i think manifestly unconstitutional but i'm i'm watching in some of the litigation that i'm involved in against the federal government just the incredible um high-handedness is is not the right term i'll give you an example we're we're dealing in a case with this mandatory covid vaccine in the military and and so the, the there's never there hasn't been until within like the last week or two any licensed vaccine available anywhere in the united states all of the vaccines are are on this emergency use authorization and those are those are two different very different legal categories the fda in our lawsuit an fda official has said that we've basically transformed the emergency use authorization vaccine into a licensed vaccine by basically not enforcing FDA labeling requirements. And, and so we're allowed to say that the vaccine is actually licensed because we're not enforcing the uh, restrictions involving the labeling requirements.
2: There's a lot of uh, government not following the law going on in the last 30 years, Oh,
3: I know, I know. But but this, this particular, I mean, this is something I, I, I sort of look at the prospective Democrats. I mean, DACA was that way. Um, um most of our immigration laws is, is, is in a, in a democratic administration is that way. Our, our gun regulations and incarceration is that way. Or, you know it, it, but I'm just saying this this kind of executive shortcut to, to force, um, you know to, to try to basically ignore uh, legal standards and regulations, if you if you're part of an of a government that's doing that and does that routinely then then you are you are not interested in in political pressure because you the only way you're going to get get turned around is is in, is in 4 years
2: i think that um, i think, I, most I think that, are, that
3: i think that's what's driving the train I, I think i think this is an ideological kind of process and i don't think they're going to they're going to hold back unless you get a congress that or, or one house of the congress that
2: says we're not going to allow this. Well, Lou, I mean, as, as you, I just stick more toward the money side of it because you know the other stuff better than me. I, I'm going to say that out of the 400 and some people in the House of Representatives on both sides of the aisle, probably 300 of them are real people <laughs> that actually give a crap. And and I don't know how where their voices are. They're kind of nowhere. But everybody, and if you look at the money stuff, everybody lies. I mean, I for one... I've, I've, I've think, I've, I think this student loan program for the last 20 years has been abysmal. I would have loved to have seen some major changes in it. I think there needs to be some sort of a rebate for for interest for the last 15 years, or since you've had zero interest rates for other people and you're charging these people six and seven percent. I think that sucks. I also think that we're done in people that owe less than five grand and they're. They're disabled, and, and the person they signed for somebody else, and the person's dead. I think you need to stop that. You're not going to get that money. I mean, I mean, you might as well write that one off, right? I mean, how many? I bet we could write right off twenty thousand of these things. We're never going to get a dime, and just stop people having people done and people. But I'm, I'm saying, on the money side, there's really no difference between this bill that just got passed that calls the inflation thing, when the tax piece of the bill comes nowhere near paying for it, even though they say it is. It's no different than, than Trump cutting ca- tax rates. And by the way, I like tax rates going down. Trump cutting tax rates, telling people that they're actually going to end up with more money than before, that's just as idiotic. Well, I mean, they, they, they never tell the truth either side. They just come from a different direction.
3: Well, but my, my point my point is that, that when you've got an ideological group and, and and this is this is one of the reasons why I, I think we're seeing stuff that doesn't make even even uh, remote economic sense. At least the Trump stuff. You know, Trump had at least an argument saying, "Look, we cut tax rates. We, we there's a multiplier effect going in that, that takes place with respect to that money flowing back into the economy. That's we cut regulations. There's a multiplier effect that comes. You back can make in, that argument out. from.
2: When you go from seventy to fifty, like John F. Kennedy did, or Reagan, you're not going to make that by going from thirty to twenty-five. No, no decision or. 20. That
3: that that may, be, that may be correct. I'm just I'm just saying that that you know there there at least was some I thought some economic justification that made sense. This is just outright fanciful craziness. The idea that we're not in a recession after two two quarters of uh, of depressed economic activity. The, the idea, the, the argument that we are, um, that inflation is, is going away because uh, the inflation rate in, in one month is slightly lower than the, you know, the crazy inflation rate in one month is slightly lower than the inflation rate in the next month. I'll have
2: one at you, Lou, then we got to talk about Gorbachev, is that the actual inflation push, the money supply and the, and the balance sheet growth has stopped. Okay, so the actual accelerator to the inflation, I believe, has stopped. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to take a long time to go through the, C, the CPI because they're, they're totally, I won't say ignorant, but because the people who work there aren't, but they're totally in denial. It's going to take forever to walk through, but you have this 35%, I'm going to say price level bulge in the last three years, but that's the problem because people just can't deal with it. They haven't, they haven't come close to getting a 35% raise. But the, the, the actual inflation accelerator, the way I explain it, is already stopped. That doesn't mean that you and I are going to get any relief or anything. It's it's like somebody saying, you know, in, the park in front of your house now is going to be 5000 bucks, But by yeah. the way, it's not going to go up for I, 10 I years.
3: You, I think you make a pretty good case. First of all, I agree with you, but I think you can make a pretty good case. I, I just saw the study coming out of Wharton or somebody about the impact of oil prices. And that the the comment that energy prices are are the principal driver right now.
2: No, they're not. No, those they're not.
3: have those have stabilized because of reduced demand, reduced demand, and because our strategic petroleum reserves are at the lowest point in the last forty years.
2: That is the most. And, and not you. Not you. That that is the most. Not only is it one of the for a monetarist. That's the most ignorant argument there is. It's the same argument we had in yeah. 1973, and it was wrong then. It's those dirty Arabs. Yeah. It wasn't for them we'd be okay. Uh, hey, we only I'm, have a few just, minutes.
3: I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying that that the projection is for energy prices to start rising again and for gas to be five right. bucks a gallon by December. This this effort by by the Biden people to depress gas prices is is short term, oh, aimed yeah. at the midterms, and, and it's it's going to going to collapse after the midterms.
2: But, uh, tell us about Gorbachev
3: um so i i was following russia i followed russia carefully and and i went into i was in and out of russia the former soviet union after the collapse i was in russia a couple of times before the collapse and gorbachev gorbachev is a, is a, a fascinating sort of historical figure did you ever meet him i think he just i think pardon me
2: did you ever meet him
3: no, I met some of his. I met his uh, secretary of state and or foreign minister, and uh, uh, some other senior people there. But no, I never. I never met. Uh, I never met Mikhail. Um,
2: you only got a couple he's an minutes. Interesting
3: guy. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because he deserves a lot of credit for what happened in Eastern Europe. You know, Honecker, the the chairman of the party in in East Germany, wanted to basically. You know, just massacre people in the streets, and, and when the protest started in 1989, and Gorbachev told him, "If you do that, you're on your own. We're not going to support you. And if there's an uprising, and they come for your scalp, we're not coming to save you." He he communicated that. But he didn't he didn't allow the Russian the Soviet military to go in and stabilize Eastern Europe when when these revolts started. And, and to that extent, he gets a tremendous amount of credit. I do think that he had absolutely no idea the tiger he was riding. He, he needed he de- he knew he he needed to liberalize what was going on or change what was happening in the Soviet Union because he saw how far behind they were falling and how the quality of life of the Russian people were suffering as a result of the Communist Party. But he believed that the communist party and and the Soviet empire was sustainable um, with a modernization effort without really understanding that the modernization effort meant, that the, the key part of the modernization effort was getting rid of the soviet state and the and the, this this idea of state control and that it couldn't it couldn't sustain itself without a very heavy hand on the on the, the people of of russia
2: Lewis, it's like to dash, understand but that
3: is what led to the led to the end of the the ussr
2: it's like starting a war you never quite know where it's going to go do you
3: well, it's something something like that. I mean it was this was this was more controlled. The the story, the apocryphal story that you that you hear about Gorbachev is he visited Canada uh, on an agricultural visit trying to get some ideas about how things were going and he talked to some rancher. Well we got we
2: well, we well, a dance well, no, off the break, but he, SP he futures just, down he fourteen. Noted, he noted Go ahead. All right, SP Futures down fourteen, Nancy's down seventy six. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas.
5: 1 dollar for equity options and 1 dollar minimum a trade.
6: Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff.
5: That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds.
6: Tell your friends that's PTI ptiprodirect.com.
4: ptiprodirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain?
5: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at AudreyJohnson at Realtor.com, or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456.
1: Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, jocks,
2: stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here,
5: right now, right now.
3: There's something happening
0: here. But what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. telling me All
2: right. I got to beware. The yes. time we stop children, what's that Well, don't bag stocking jacks. I'm talking about Matt Weber on and the, and the board. SP Futures down 13, NASA Futures on 71. That's an improvement from where they were. Do we have Mr. Dan from Creditus Cap- Capital? Okay, we'll have the. Uh, I really, I can't. Uh, I can't get over how much as Nvidia has gotten clobbered here. This thing was three, three twenty nine in November, and now it's uh, one it's one forty four this morning. As one of these chip stocks, and uh, just been getting obliterated. And it's it is a absolute stock that people, for whatever reason, maybe because of Kramer or whatever, they love this stock, and they will not get out of it. Nobody wants to protect it. You know, i have watch the thing do is for six months now is, is go is go straight down and I, who knows if it's going to lower? It could be a buying opportunity. You never know. But man, oh man, when you get when you get involved in these things and you have concentration issues in a stock that uh, you know and, and you don't protect yourself somehow, it's just it's it's sad to watch. I mean, it really is. And, and people have such conviction they'll never get rid of it. It's just it's like back in the two thousands with the Cisco's and the Oracles and those places. People just watch them go from sixty to six and uh no, I love this stock. I love this stock. And you just, I don't know, and I do this for people all day long. I mean, you just you just have to be careful when you have any kind of a concentration issue. When you have just, I mean, Apple's another one. People just have Apple. And let's just hope that Apple never drops by half or something because it's going to take an awful lot of investors with it because it's not a stock anymore. It becomes a cathedral. You know, it's a church. And, uh, you know, these things, just remember, they're stocks. They're, they're, they they should be good investments and you like them to grow and you like the earnings to go and dividends increase you know that's that's the world we hope we have I don't know that that's where we are I mean a lot of this I mean just just remember and again I'm not giving any kind of investment advice just remember that the market is up 30 to 40 percent or it was from the start of COVID just because money was poured into the system the economy is no better now than it was beginning of COVID you have some companies making more money, but it's inflated money. You also have a lot of companies that closed. So, if a restaurant's doing okay, okay you can't say the world's fine if there's three, three boarded-up places across the street that used to be restaurants. Just whatever it is, you sort of have to have some common sense here, and you can't have blind faith toward these things because they don't care about you. I mean, the head of Nvidia is going to make his money, and he doesn't really care if you make yours. And it's it's, it's sort of unfortunate if that's the way the world is, but. It sort of is.
4: Still waiting on Dan, so it's you and me for, until he calls in.
2: Well, that's all right. What, what, do, you make, what do you make of the sacks? What would you do here? You can't get an interim guy. I mean, what, what do you suppose is going on?
4: Well, I'm a firm believer that Major League Baseball managers don't matter that much. So um, I don't, they could go on a winning streak with Miguel Cairo as, as the fill-in manager. But that wouldn't surprise me at all. We've seen that many times um, in baseball. So uh, I don't think that's their problem. Uh, Their problem is is they need to start scoring runs and um, stopping the other teams from scoring runs. And they haven't been doing either of those things very well lately, even against bad competition like Kansas City and Arizona, um, you know, losing five in a row against that level of competition when you're in a playoff race and they're playing for nothing uh, is pretty disappointing. But that said, they got this last month, it's September 1st, they're five games out. If they can go, uh, you know, if they have, call it 30 games left, if they can go, you know, 20-10 20 and 10 or 22 and eight, some big run like that, which is unlikely based on how they've been playing, but it's not impossible. Uh, they could they could still win the division or force a playoff, a one game you know play in or something.
2: Well, you need three or four pitchers, maybe two or three, to win three games in a row and they have people that are capable of doing that. The question is what, what is wrong with Giolito? I mean the, the guy getting, he's getting hammered he's not, not just like he's is he tipping stuff? is he hurt? I mean you know, uh, something's wrong. When they're teeing off, that guy (laughs) looks like some bad softball pitcher. For God's sake, and uh, there's a guy you should say he could
4: win three in a row. uh, Lance Lynn certainly, uh, Cease could do that. Well, Cease kind of has been doing that. He's kind of been their one stopper. But yeah, they're five back. um, So they're but they're in third place. So not only do they have to make up five games, but they have to do it uh, over two teams. They're three and a half back of Minnesota, five back of Cleveland. If you look at the White Sox schedule, they've got the one more game with Kansas City this afternoon. Got to win that one. Then three at home versus the Twins, so that's going to be tough. But you can really make your bones and, and pass Minnesota if you can win two out of three or sweep them. Then at Seattle is tough. Seattle's in a playoff race as well. Uh, they're currently a wild card team, so you know you 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 can't get swept there, but you can't expect to win two out of three there either. Then four at Oakland. Oakland's not very good, but the White Sox historically don't ver- play very well out there. Then uh, you're back home, two against Colorado. Then one at Cleveland, which is a makeup game. That's going to be a huge game. And that's their only game left, or that th- that's their first of four left with Cleveland. They have three more at home with Cleveland in uh, late September. So, you know, their schedule's not very easy. I'm, I'm seeing six games with the Twins, four games with Cleveland. Uh, left on their schedule, or sorry, nine games with the Twins and four games with Cleveland. I mean, that's that's not easy. They're at San Diego, no. at at Detroit, at Seattle. I mean, um, they got their work cut out for them. Well,
2: how do you when you how do you account for the fact that the Cubs have won like won like seven series in a row, and they it, it, it's astounding to me. And I you know I'm, not, I'm obviously more of a Cub fan, even I'm, I'm not real happy with the ownership, but. Uh, when I used to have my tickets, I liked it better. But anyway, the, you watch the two teams, and the Cubs, you know, are, 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 since they, they're really now um, not benefiting, shall we say, uh, feeling the effects of essentially trading away their bullpen. You know, these other guys hung in there for yeah, a while. Yeah, they've,
4: they've had <laughs> leads against good teams in the last, you know, six games, Milwaukee and Toronto, and then the bullpen gives it up late. And they almost gave it up last night, too. They barely held on to win that one. They were up 5 nothing and 6-2, uh, to two, and then they hold on to win 7-5, to five. Um, not good.
2: Well, I, I, this whole concept of uh, your starter goes every five days and, and if he gets to 60 pitches, you got to yank him and the reliever can go every day. I don't, I don't know. I, I never could quite figure that one out. But, that's, that's, but I guess my, my question is, why does it look like the Cubs, with all these young players, appear way more fundamentally sound than the White Sox? Is the White Sox, did they move these guys up too fast or their minor league system isn't as good or – should be continued because we do have our guy Dan. All right. Dan, how are you, buddy?
6: I, I'm doing great. Great. It'll be, uh technical issues this morning, but I'm um, doing good. Uh, enjoying seeing the, the season rates go higher here because this is our uh this uh lends itself well to our investment strategy.
2: Uh, I would say yeah. Hey and I have a um a bunch of questions for you. We Sure. We, we've been uh you know some of the stuff that you've uh let us uh you know, tip this on to on the show. We were able to get the P G and E real easy. We're having trouble with the uh S V C it doesn't seem like it's we've we went out for a request for offer a bunch of times and uh nobody nobody nobody's offering. So uh we might put a bid out there today. But uh some of the stuff is you know you you can sorta of get and uh and, and and some you can't. I mean it's uh I think I think you're getting good buys and uh they're not. Some of the buys aren't hanging around. That's why they're good buys. That's why you're getting them, I guess. But uh, the uh, yeah, there's
6: no qu- there's no question. There are people chase, chasing yields right now. Um, we also get a you know um, we get a um, uh, you know we go through interactive brokers and we're on an, like an institutional platform because I do trade the the greatest high income fund through them. So we do get we see all the inventory that's available and and um, it's pretty extensive, but because we already own the bonds, also when we're putting out bids, you know, we're seeing bid you know we're seeing bid asked offers on these, um, you know, all the bonds that we have, and we can track it really carefully, and that's what we like about interactive, um, trying to find these names. So no, we've we've been buying them. Um, the two year, as you probably know, hit a fifteen year high, um, topping three fifty. So uh, moving away from the corporates for a minute, looking just at you know treasuries, um, and, and as we've said in the past, the Treasury bill um, is a, a great alternative right now because you're getting 350, and it's much better than buying a CD. So, um, looking at where the one year was trading, um, you know the two year was at 348, the one year actually was at 350. So the one year is really where you're getting the most bang for your buck on the T bill curve, and what I want to contrast that with is where you're what you're paying on a CD so on a one year one year T bill you get three and a half on a 2 year CD, you're getting you're only getting three percent so um, from the point of view if you're looking to add you know kind of get some yield on your cash just add a little bit of you know move out of some of those equity names that you know have run in this recent rally and if you are still, uh, somewhat bearish as we are, um, longer term, you know, start buying uh, shorter T bills, uh, in particular the one year. Stay away from CDs. Um, CDs often come with um, penalties. They lock your money up. They lock the yield up. Not the smartest thing to invest in as interest rates are going higher. With the T bill, you can sell it at any time. It's very liquid and you can move into the next uh, higher yielding um, investment that comes along. So, um, Six months are still looking good. We were buying some at 326, and even if you want to go shorter um, than a six-month T bill on the curve, you can buy off the run T bills. So you can buy a four-month T bill. Uh, we were buying them at 310 yesterday. So a, a, a T bill that matures in December of this year is giving you 310. So why would you go out and buy your two? I would you go out two years and buy a CDs. I mean, why do you, know, you suppose? That,
2: uh... I don't want to get into a huge discussion about whether 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 banks are conspiring to keep this low, but
6: that's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, this, on the CDs, yeah. I mean, I think so. the problem with, with with the with the bank, um, I think there's several things. One is there's always a lag, right? Just like there is with mortgages, there tends to be a lag um, when mortgages are going down, you know. And then there's um, you know there are additional costs that have to be paid as there, you know, we don't have those costs when we're bought, when we're trading on. Um, on interactive platform, um, you know, and, and also because the rates already are so low, that piece that they take is a larger percentage. And then if rates were, say, 10%, you know, it might be the same amount, but it becomes a larger percentage um, of the yield that you're getting. So yeah. that's part of it. And I like the flexibility you have with T-Bills. Um, I wouldn't say put all your money into it. But as time goes along here, I mean, it's only three weeks away from our next Fed Fed hike, and if we get 75 basis points on the 22nd of September, then we're going to actually see even more, um, uh, you know, the shorter shorter yields that I'm talking about, shorter bonds in general, we're going to see even more yield. um, So, you know, put some in now, sell some more stocks in a few weeks, put some more in. You know, that strategy... W- makes a lot of sense with the outlook still being relatively negative, and although there was talk, you know, if you heard Powell's speech, everyone sort of pointing to that as the reason that we saw this change in, you know, sudden uh, increase in um, short rates. I-, I think maybe some people needed um, the affirmation that that was going to happen, but I'm not really quite sure where people were were already um, pricing in cuts next year because in this environment especially it's unlikely to see cuts. and the reason it's unlikely is that we do still have some cross currents uh, being labor for example we still have to shake out the the labor market that is we're still in the process of doing that and we still have inflation i mean inflation needs to come down and despite the fact that gas prices have come down a little bit where you know we're not seeing it across the board um we are seeing a slowdown in demand we are seeing a slowdown period but it's going to take a period of time before we see the rest of the slack in the economy shake out that's why i do not believe we're going to start seeing cuts next year i think that's too premature and i think the last month up until last friday the market was was pricing in these cuts which i think it was doing um really without paying attention to you know looking at you know some of the the different um factors like like jobs um like inflation that are still it's going to take a while to to um get through this period so um doesn't mean that it's going to be it doesn't mean necessarily all bad news and it certainly doesn't mean you can't make money in fact you can make money in this environment but it's just being patient
2: well i mean, think uh, we did a, to, uh,
6: <laughs> what we everyone put, else is thinking
2: we put a lot of people in a well, a few people in the T bills uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the six month, and I think they probably crept up a little, but still, it's all right on the six month. I, I uh, have a couple of um, real specific questions here, uh, real quick, because I, I got other stuff I want to talk to you about. When you when you look at a uh, a, a bond sheet, what uh, what is what is a, what is if anybody's ever seen what is a make whole call and what is a conditional put.
6: So um, the, uh, there's a um, under certain circumstances, and each, each with each um, offering, there you know the companies come with bonds come with indentures, and uh, a call is just a call just gives the company the ability to um to call the buy in at a certain price on a certain date, and then some calls remain um, so that if it's called in a year before it matures that call continues to stay through the next year, and some don't. Some say this is a one-time call. Um, make whole is um, is a provision that, and again, it varies, but it's a provision that um, the company um, will be made whole, if you will. The, in, the bondholder will be made whole, if, if you will, and that the call will be, um, in other words, you will get the full amount of, uh whatever the the call price is. Like in other words, there are, there are some calls that allow you to um you know, you can buy it in at um, you know, say one and a half if that's where it's being priced. Um but that wouldn't make the investor whole. In the case of um of uh you know I have to get into some special circumstances, but it but it, what it generally means is that the company's responsible for um, making the the bondholder hold to the to the extent that they paid, you know, um, a premium to okay. the uh, not not to the current call price, but to a future call price.
2: Okay. Um,
6: so right. it's, it's you're still going to lose money because you're going to lose a little bit of capital appreciation. On the conditional put, the company has the ability to buy, um, or the 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 um, investor has the ability to buy uh, to. You know to um, exercise a conditional put if there's a particular event for example company gets bought out and those there might be a period of time where the it provides prior to maturity of that bond where it provides the bondholder with the ability to, um, to put the bond back to the company at a certain price um, prior to you know executing the agreement okay. you know, executing the uh, transfer. One thing you know one one company I want to note that we talked about quite a bit in the past that had something like this happen, but it was actually a preferred stock is blue Knight. and blue Knight um, was the if you recall they were the asphalt storage company. They had storage facilities around the country. they had a preferred that was paying nine and three quarters. it started tracking up and um, you know it's, we were originally talking about buying it in the fives when we first started when we first mentioned it. Well, they were taken over by a private company, and the preferred holders were given eight and three quarters. So as a holder of the preferred in that case, because of the takeout, you, you got um, eight, eight and three quarters on, on your bonds that you probably, on your preferred stock that you probably paid five percent. So anytime there's a takeout, there's usually takeout provisions that will make the, um bondholder holder,
2: or in this case, preferred holder, um, hold. And that's why people more than hold. And that's why people need <laughs> you because these things are pretty darn complicated.
6: Yeah, they're, they are really complicated. But, and, and the thing is that no one looks alike. There's no standard provision, so you have to be really careful to read the language. And that's part of what we do. Um, our, you know, what I had mentioned you before, and what I what I, I would mention to any investor is the way to make certain that you're not going to get negatively impacted by any of these events is to buy at a discount to par. And when you're buying bonds, a discount to par would be anything less than $100. So there are bonds, you know, we mentioned ADT, the security company, has these four and eights that are due in June, June 15th to 23. And, um, you know, I just checked again this morning, and there are bonds available um, close to 6%. So six percent. When I say six percent, that's the yield to maturity. So the price isn't is below that. It's the, the price is around a ninety nine dollar price, ninety eight in a fraction. In those SVCs that we mentioned also, with the same maturity date in June, June of twenty three, they're four and a half percent coupons, um, getting right now about six and a half percent. Yesterday we were buying them at seven. Now those have a B plus rating. They're a little bit lower in credit quality, but. There's all kinds of buy recommendations on the stock. And then another one um, we've talked about before, OMF, uh, which is one main financial, has a five and five eighth coupon to March fifteenth of twenty three. And that has a double B rating and they're um, right now they're offered at six and a quarter. So you're buying these at a discount when the when the um, yield to maturity is higher than the coupon price. So you're buying them at 98 or 99, and then you don't have to worry about the calls. In fact, the call could actually be to your to your to your benefit if it has a call. So I would I would say stick with the bonds that um, are trading at a discount, unless you absolutely need income. You have to meet a certain income requirement, and and then you have to make then that's when you have to be careful to look at the language for uh, the calls and the call dates. And the, and the provisions for when the company can call or the provisions when the bondholder um, could could put the bond back to the company, like, for example, in a uh, takeout or an exchange. Um, so yeah, bonds, are, bonds have uh, a lot of layers.
2: What, Dan, um, the, uh, the, the talking heads, of course, the chatter, no matter, and I've had some people from these big investment firms, nobody believes, well, I say nobody, uh, a lot of the big shots don't don't believe that Paul could stick with this plan. That the that the pressure is going to be too heavy. You heard Elizabeth Warren screaming yesterday that he's going to put us into a recession, and I don't think she has a clue. But uh, that's another story. But I mean, I don't. They're, they're the re- the realization that we are all are already in a recession. That we already yeah. have they've done the damage. Now it's a question of how bad. People are still saying there is no recession. And if he keeps raising the rates, he's going to cause one. They're so they're so far off, in my opinion, but that's the chatter. Is, is he? He's done this before. In two thousand eighteen, he started to yeah. t- to fix things, got dragged into the White House and waterboarded or whatever, and came out. And all of a sudden, their money—the floodgates were open again. And I think some people think that that's going to happen again. Uh, you know, what it, I mean? The re- this whole thing since he said he was going to tighten. The first time he said he was, the bonds went up for it three weeks in a row, right? I mean, it, it's been totally opposite of what you would expect. Now, this time he says, Oh, no, I really mean it. I don't know. Where, where do you stand on this? I, I don't know the guy personally, but I, yeah. I, know, I, I know he's getting serious pressure. That much There's
7: I. No I question.
2: you got to move to a different part of the room, Dan. We can't bear to hear you. you got to move to a different spot. Yeah. There you go.
6: What I would say is uh, i am listening to Powell's comments that what he is affirming that I think you know um, is that um, the majority of people are concerned is that there's not going to be any cutting taking place next year and and like I was saying earlier, I think that's too premature to be predicting what's going to happen. And, um, we don't know how this is going to end you know how these responses these rate increases are going to affect the market and it takes months and even years for those rate increases to affect the system there is slack in the system still though we know that we know there still is today when they're talking about um, job you know record job growth and we don't see we see certain companies cutting jobs but we don't see the numbers the, the the overall numbers coming down i saw yesterday signs for help at a grocery store and we still see, um, we know that there's part of the parts of the economy that are still, have a lot of slack. We also know that there were a lot of people who got PPP money, and when I say people, not just individual business owners, but large companies, airlines, for example, um, they would be out of business if they hadn't gotten that money. So what we haven't seen yet is we're seeing, we're in the middle of this correction period, if you will, where, for, you know, to use the airlines as an example, they're cutting the number of flights, but they're making sure that they're all full. They're having trouble finding employees, but by cutting flight, you know, by cutting the flights, that's helping solve this issue. So, when does it get back into equilibrium? And I don't think that they're going to. I don't think the Fed is going to overshoot if you look at that sector, for example, anytime soon. That if that sector is going to be impacted more negatively by things like um oil prices. And we still see oil prices coming down. We had one day, you know, a couple of days ago they 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 were up. Last few days they've gotten hit again. So it's it's a um, an overreaction to think that we're going to be going into a deep recession or depression. Um, but it is also um, being somewhat being uh, uh, someone in denial if you can't admit that we are in one right now and that there's already been a contraction. You know hope which, is, results, uh, which is the definition of a recession two negative two quarters of negative gdp so um it's just i think the employment is is the swing factor here the major swing factor and to the extent that that gets worked out and that may be that may be a few months or it may be a few years but as long as companies are continuing to raise prices to hire health in this environment we're going to have inflation and this is the issue that we go back to. Two years ago, we go more than two years ago, long before COVID, we were waiting before we could say that we had inflation across the board that we were going to turn into a that we were going to move into a tightening cycle. We needed to first see wage inflation, and we were not seeing wage inflation prior to COVID. So that was the the thing that would have taken us into the natural part of the cycle. And now it's happening, but it's happening. It's kind of convoluted because we've had other. You know we had supply chain issues, and we've had um, kind of a different philosophy amongst workers. I guess so. Definitely, certainly a change in mentality about about work, whether it be working from home or you know wanting to 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 get paid more um, for the same work. And as long as that's happening, um, the system hasn't worked itself out. And I have no concerns about the fact that they'll continue to raise rates. Um, but I also don't have any concerns that it's going to cause a huge Huge recession that's going to last for a long time. I um, think I think that, I think that it, it is happening slower than um, than I think some people realize. I think we already had the quick jump, you know, a year ago, um, and it's going to take some time to work it, to work its way through the system. So higher rates, I think, will continue to be a good thing. They're definitely a good thing for our investment strategy. Um, there's definitely ways you can still make money in this environment. Um, I would say looking at the riskier assets right now, not the time to be doing that, not the time to be taking the chance with your mean stocks and, you know, as I said before go to the casino if you're looking to do that not the time to be looking for you know, smaller risky Asian um, you know, one-off stocks, it just, you know you might be able to make money but the chances are much slimmer in this environment. Well
2: Dan, if you go to some, Um, what's it, was it Reddit? Is that the I don't really know the site that gets all these guys fired up about you know, Bed Bath and Beyond thing trades yeah. 26, and two weeks later it's nine or eight or something. I mean, you got to wonder. I mean, after it happens once or twice to you, you got you got to you got to figure that you're the, you're a sucker at the table. I mean, for God's sake.
6: Yeah, I think I think with this a situation like that is you're you know it, it's clear if, if you if you you know to get out and you see what's going on that the stores having you know the chain is having major problems. Period. That's not very hard to see. I mean, you can understand the dynamics with. With you know Amazon taking over a lot of their business and and the competitors, you can understand what the overhead costs for these companies. You know, as as inflation goes up, uh, you can understand what the the difficulty finding labor. So that just all of that, without even knowing the company very well, would keep me away from them. But if you see a name sell off, whether it be a a Bed Bath and Beyond or another company that doesn't really have um, the potential to withstand a downturn, um, you just Losing money, you know, in trying to buy them on the on the um, you know by following technicals or trying to buy them by saying, okay, they're they're up fifty percent today. This is the time to step in. Well, you might get a day or two of good trading, but then you know a month later you're going to see another downturn. So um, the the thing about going into an, an environment that a slow uh, environment of slowdown, not the time to be adding companies that are um, absolutely uh, are startups. Yeah, we gotta, you know unless they have a really good story.
2: Yeah, we got a dash. We're not on twenty one, so. Morning doesn't look so hot either. Do you believe that quick sell-off last night at five to three? That was that was wild. As Nasdaq yeah. futures down hundred. Dan, talk to you next week. Thank you. Be right back, and Jackson.
4: on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks.
2: Hello, this is Tom how the chief. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTI Securities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTI Securities.com.
5: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456.
2: Stocks, jocks. And jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right, here. right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe, Matt Matt Weber on the, on the board with a, with, a, with a trainee, Mr. Andrew. SP Futures down twenty five. nasa Futures down one eleven. It's about as low as I've seen it. Uh, Trying to make a little bit of a rally. Now we're going back the other way. Dow futures down 109. Set so individual stocks in the Dow. We got a couple that are up: Triple M and uh, Disney up a little bit. The rest are all red. Microsoft down 272. Salesforce down a buck 50. Uh, Visa down a dollar. But the main, the main mover this morning is Nvidia. Is uh, the U.S. government restricts some chip sales to China, uh, which is kind of interesting. I think most of the chips are made like in, in Taiwan. So I don't. So I don't. am gonna have to read more about that. Talk about it tomorrow. Uh, anyway, so Nvidia's down almost seven dollars, 144.20. Stock was uh, uh, 329 last year, so uh, you know that's that's not good. Uh, over in Europe, we've got sell-off here as well. We've got but a little bit better. They were down uh, more, a little bit more a minute ago. Uh, DAX down 138, that's 1.1 percent. They were down 1.3. FTSE still down 1.3, down 91 uh, bucks, and round down 85, that's 1.4 percent. So pretty broad sell-off across the board over there. UK down 430, that's 1.5%, Shanghai down 17.5%, and Hang Seng well under uh, 20,000 now, 19,597, it's down 357 or 1.8%. China's uh, factory activity shrunk, so that's what's causing sell-off across the board over in uh, Asia. Yesterday, we were looking like we were going to come back to even on the close, but then we sold off real hard right in the last few minutes. Dow was down 280, Nasdaq futures NASDAQ was down 66, S&P's down 31, bonds up now 12 basis points at 3.26. That's a big jump in the last couple minutes. A bund up six, 1.1.6. F- size we've seen that in a while. Japan up uh, 0.2 to 0. 0.24. Oil down 134, 88, 21 Brent down 151, Natural gas down a dime. Still slightly above nine bucks at 9.03. Arbab down five cents, 2.38. Which has got to be as low as we've seen it in months and months. Uh, gold continuing to head south as well, down 13 bucks, 1712. Silver down 28 cents, 1760. Copper down six cents, 345. So you know if you got a bunch of gold and silver, you're not doing so hot today. Uh, crypto, uh, Bitcoin down uh, 292 now, just under 19,000, 19,917 And a danger number there if it goes much lower because allegedly there's some uh, margin loans on that. And we have the U.S. dollar uh, again. The euro dollar is slightly below 1.9991. So we are almost at parity. The pound down to 1.15. I haven't seen it that low in a long, long time. Wow. Matty, what do you have for us? Weather Sports.
4: 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we had some earlier crashes last hour that are causing all kinds of congestion on the area expressway. So even though those accidents have been cleared, we are seeing uh, greater than usual volume on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Those uh, four expressways specifically uh, seem to be moving pretty slow this morning, but the accidents have all been cleared. Southside expressways are looking okay. Off the expressways, it looks like we have a crash. Irving Park Road at Illinois 53. And then south uh, of there, uh, we have a crash at County Line Road and 79th Street. So those are the two crashes in the area. Weather today, lots of sunshine, uh, mild temperatures, just a a beautiful day. It does warm up a little bit this afternoon. We'll reach a partly cloudy high of 86, uh, but this morning, just perfect. Clear and 74 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 105 today. Right now it's clear and 90. In sports, White Sox doubled up the Royals 4-2, ending their five-game losing streak. They're five games back of first place Cleveland in the AL Central with a month to go. Cubs beat the Blue Jays 7-5 to up in Toronto. Diamondbacks were blown out by the Phillies 18-2 and it was the Chicago Sky uh, evening, evening up their semi-final playoff series at, at one game apiece after they beat Connecticut last night down at Wintrust 85-77. to That's a best of five, that series. Chief.
2: The, um, yeah, what, so you think the, uh, John, do we have you?
4: Good morning, Tom. How and right,
2: welcome bud? to, uh, Andrew, too. Yeah, the uh, Matty, why do you suppose the the Cubs seem like they are fundamentally more sound on the sacks? Is it it the minor league system? The guys in the sacks were such really good players. They they flew through the minor league system and didn't learn some of the fundamentals or what?
4: Um, I I don't know. I've never thought about that, but there could be something to that. I I think, in general, um, the White Sox uh, have some, some classic sort of American League type guys like Jimenez and Abreu and... Uh, grandal and munkata that are sort of the big slugging slow um, kind of unathletic uh, prototypical american league slugger guys and they have a lot of those right Uh, whereas um, the cubs have gone with more of a modern approach outside of their dh that they just signed a month ago who's a big guy it's more sort of interchangeable athletic guys that can play multiple positions and I think that allows them to be uh, a little bit more fundamentally sound. Now, e- neither team really hits for a lot of power, which is a problem. Cubs a little bit more than the White Sox, I think, because of Contreras and Hap uh, hitting a lot of home runs. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's the sort of the, the surface-level difference that I see between the two.
2: Well, they clearly are faster. I mean, the Sox are really station-to-station baseball. I mean, they're back to, like, but they won a World Series in a team like that. I mean, you can do it.
4: Oh yeah, you can do it. I mean, the the Yankees are kind of that this year, and uh, they're one of the, they're a top five team in baseball. It, but they it's Stanton and it's Judge and it's Rizzo and it's these big you know station station guys. But they're hitting you know thirty forty home runs. They're not hitting you know fourteen like the White Sox sluggers are.
2: Well, the Sox also have their averages are lousy. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to get. I mean, you know, everybody, nobody wants to look at batting averages right now except old luddites like me. I'll tell you what. You know, three four hits a week. For People some, still look
4: at batting average, um, but they look at everything else too.
2: I know. I just, but I mean, I, I think that they if I, I I don't know. I refuse to believe that a guy who's a two hundred hitter is going to walk a lot. I, mean, I I guess it could happen. But well,
4: Grandal historically had been doing that, where he was a you know batting two fifteen, but his on base was like four hundred. So you know, even though his batting average stunk, he was still on base you know way better than league average, and he hit home runs, so he had value this year. He's been hurt all, on and off all year. He's not walking. His average still stinks, and he's not hitting home runs. So then your value drops very quickly if you, if you don't ever have any batting average.
2: I don't know, Jan, I'm, I'm, I'm infected. I uh, shall we say, totally infected by my years of playing softball. Mike, as a pitcher, if you can't hit, why the hell am I going to walk you?
4: Softball is way different than baseball.
2: Well, but it's sort of the same thing. I mean, why why do you pitch around well, somebody? Well, softball, can't hit?
4: it's very easy to not walk someone. Baseball, it's not easy to not walk someone.
2: Well, I mean, I I guess what I'm saying is, if a guy is hitting 200, why do I need to be a, a, a you know, a, a full effort pitch every pitch? Is get
4: it over? The guy can't hit. Well, so that's the thing. If if he, if the guy's hitting 200 and he and he doesn't have any power, he's not going to be in the big leagues. You have no value. Well, but if you're true. hitting if you're hitting 200. Um, but if a guy makes a mistake down the middle and you hit it 400 feet every time, then, then you can get away with batting 200. Because, and the pitcher can't groove one in there because you're going to hit a home run. He has to try to work the edges to get you out, and that's where he walks you. So that's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. So you know, we saw that with Grandal where he was you know, statistically one of the best catchers in all of baseball offensively, even though he only batted 215, and that's because he would hit 25 home runs and he would walk a lot. So you he forced you to not make a mistake and therefore you're trying to hit the edges and that's when you start walking. I'm just saying
2: if I'm on the mound and I see Frank Thomas walk up, there's a reason why that guy walked. <laughs> I don't
4: know that crundall has <laughs> got the same reason. Well, say. Frank Thomas is the first Battle Hall of Famer. Yeah.
2: I mean but you can see why those guys I mean, I don't I don't want to come anywhere near this guy, but the, well, whatever. I'm just saying I I don't sustainably I don't see a guy betting two hundred every year getting a bunch of walks. Like you say it sort of stopped with him.
4: It stopped this year.
2: Yeah. Anyway, it's a, you know, I just wonder, the minor leagues, if there's differences up and down, if there's the philosophies different or whatever, maybe? I'm sure
4: there are. I, yeah, I, I definitely think there are. There are some teams that are consistently better at defense than other teams, or there are some teams that, that are better at base running than other teams. They seem to value it more for whatever reason. I mean, I, I'm sure there's something to that.
2: Well, Plus, I think the sacks, a lot of the leg injuries they've had have caused them to be slower.
4: Right. They've had a ton of injuries this year, and you know Tim Anderson being out again definitely doesn't help them. Well,
2: he's probably their, their
4: most spark plug player. Yeah, he's their leadoff hitter. Um, They're all star. Uh, he, he always has a high average, usually in the three hundreds. Um, he doesn't walk a ton, but he hits with such a good average that it almost doesn't matter defensively he's been up and down but uh but offensively i mean the guy steals bases gets on base uh slap hitter has a little bit of power i mean he's a pretty valuable guy
2: with the three pitchers they had if you were to say that this quato is going to have a year like he had you would think the, the sacks would be 10 games ahead yeah anyway. they'd be dead
4: without yeah. him yeah i mean he's he's been their most consistent guy behind the hey yeah.
2: well Jan, what do you make of all this you were listening to uh the stuff earlier and uh um, I, I imagine you listened to a Karen's interview yesterday. that was interesting. I did.
7: Right? Uh, thanks for having her on again. It was always good to hear from her.
2: Yeah, it's a um I I was going to ask you, you might when when did she was really all over the decision I don't know when it was. I mean, I I'm thinking a long time to, to not to just get rid of all like the vocational schools. When, without any any of that kind of training? When when did, they, when did when did when did that happen? Was that a one-year project or was it a a 10-year slow grind-out, or what? I'd have to go
7: back and check. You, you know, there was a real switchover. It, it's not like any of these places closed, but there were all these, you know, the technical schools, like, you know, CVS, Chicago Vocational School, and Tilden Tech, and Lindblom Tech, and Lane Tech, and Washburn. There were all, and a lot of other schools with regular, you know, you know high school curricula also had, you know, corners of their curricula that, it, you know, catered to the trades and the culinary arts or whatever. And some of these things got rolled into community college programs, you know, where I think some of them, you know, in, even in the same districts, sort of reemerged there. But there really was a switchover. I would say it was in the 70s. I have to go back and double-check, because, um, you know, Lindblom Tech and some of these other schools were primarily decide not for people who were you know college-bound although you could come out of there with a decent education but you you were going to get some kind of skill that you could use for the rest of your life um that they changed them into primarily academic or you know college prep type of stuff or, or academies you know that was the preferred name to not even call them high schools uh and i i can't like say too much about it without doing a little more research but I would say by 1980, everything had changed. And uh, it may have been a handshake deal with, with the community college system to give them a kind of leg up and get them involved in things that the, the CPS you know, administration had no interest in anymore.
2: My neighbor uh, who lives, grew up over in, uh, he went to Mendel, so he grew up over on the southeast side. Uh, he said his CVS at one point had 5,000 students without a college prep program and one year they got a college prep program they had like a big celebration i mean uh
7: and you know it was connected to a as a lot of these high schools were they had a junior college attached to it southeast junior college so you stayed on you know whatever you know program you completed at cvs you could still you know you could pursue that later um, at the same institution the same campus one thing that I think it did, Tom, is that it forced, you know, now to start paying, even though community college tuition was low, really, until fairly recently. Uh, but what you would have gotten in the public schools free of charge with everything else, you now had to kind of self select and pay to get it in the community college system, where it wasn't, you know, it was public education, but it wasn't, you know, available to everybody free of charge well, in I don't, high school curricular
2: works. So. It was almost, I mean, because Karen was talking about how. And not everybody needs to go to college and I, you know I, the four year standard thing. And I, I don't have a, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I keep pushing back on that. John. I, I think stuff should be priced so that even if if my my dad owns a fence company and I know I'm going to run the fence company, why can't Notre Dame or Illinois or Northwestern be? priced in such a way that I can get an economics degree or a history degree or whatever, and still run the fence. call. Why? Why? Why is it? Why is there this this fork in the road between? If I'm going to be do something, I'm going to use the term blue collar. I can't learn how to read. I mean, I mean, it, I don't, I don't get why you can't. Or if it Marist, you know, which was pretty much a total co- well, college, certainly Nanner's program was a total college prep. Why why can't there be a, a woodworking shop? I mean, what, what, just because. I manage money. It doesn't mean I don't want to go in the garage and learn how to and, and, and you know make a desk if I want to. I mean that could be my habit. I don't get the, the, the maybe because I came from a blue collar family and was the first one to go to college. I, I don't I don't get the you're one or the other. What what is wrong with mean, Am I just wrong on this? Or everybody argues with me about it? I, I think we're
7: you know maybe more enlightened about this than you know certainly the European system where you make your selection by about fifth or sixth grade. Am I blue collar material or am I? University material, and this is the fork in the road that you really can't undo. You know, the next year or any point in your life, it's very much set in stone. And it's kind of like the old, you know, apprenticeship in in feudal times, where you you made your choice, and there really wasn't a lot of migration back and forth among careers or or becoming an academic after you had, had already opted out of that track. You know, in this country, you still get some freedom to do that at any point in your life. Um, The the problem, of course, now is that you can't really plan for anything, it seems. There's very few skills you can take away from any college program that that are a sure thing when it comes into competing for a job um, because you're likely to be training for something for the rest of your life. Um, But it's probably a fairer system here. I I think the problem is that we've, we've made college such a um, an everyday thing that it, it, it should be available to anybody who wants it and it should be affordable that we' debased a college education to something that fits everybody who applies for it.
2: Well, it's three times as expensive as it ought to be and so is, right. so is healthcare.
7: And, and it, that gives the impression unfortunately that it, there must be some value in getting it so that you have people who are you know, putting themselves into debt for the rest of their lives to get it and of course the competition in, in the upper slice of academia for the, the ivy leagues and whatever it, the, the finagling and the crookedness as we've seen to get people into these schools because that's the, the difference between being a success or a failure in your family's eyes uh th- that was always true to some extent but it's it's truer now and it's it's a lot more expensive and a lot more competitive to make that happen but i i think we we do miss you know we don't Serve students well, though. If we tell them you you should go to college and and try it and see how you like it, as if to say that's you know there's there's really no point in not going to college. I think that's that's a bad message. I'm not saying that you you, you should take these people aside and say you're not capable of doing college work and you have to abide by that. But we've made it into something that is accessible to people that it really isn't accessible to or appropriate for. And we don't make any discrimination, and, and we expect these people to go out and find you know, money to do it. And, and at the end, you know, what, what have these people gotten but just another bill of goods? I, I, I think it's bad for college education generally, too. It's
2: but if you came out of in our, in our day, in our day when you came out, I, I'm I'm going to guess our our tuition in our senior year was what 3,200 bucks, It was another grand for room and board, something like that. Uh, and I'm going to say, what was, what was Illinois? Because then you could actually get into Illinois for, from Illinois. Illinois would have been what, fifteen hundred, maybe?
7: Yeah, I think
2: in state. Yeah. So I, I don't. When, when things are priced properly, you know, why 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 wouldn't you at age seventeen, unless you know, Dad's going to make you president of a fence company right away? Um. Why why wouldn't you? I mean, you're not really all that educated coming out of high school. Uh, you know why wouldn't you want to go to college, even if you're going to do something else? I mean, unless you're going to move right into the plumbing company, and even then, why wouldn't you want to take? You still want to be able. I mean, I, you don't. You don't want to have every single time the accountant comes in, you don't know, know a word the guys talking about. You want to at least take a course or two so you know what people are talking about. You don't. You don't want people to talk about economics and not know a word they're talking about. I, I never. I never wanted to be in a room where I didn't know at least something what somebody was saying. Was that? Is that just me or what?
7: No, but you know, I think college has become a fallback because students don't have any other options and I don't think that's ever a good reason to do anything unless oh. you really have some kind of assurance that you know, you're not gonna, you know you not going to do yourself financial harm in getting it I noticed this change time in teaching in the community college system around 2008 or 2009 and all of a sudden I, I began to see students in my you know introductory or 100 level English classes that I hadn't seen ever before in my teaching they were students who were completely uninterested in what they were doing they had they had worked you know or, or had worked towards the idea of inheriting a fa- family business whether it was a landscaping company or an ice cream company or something, and, and I'd write about this in autobiographical essay assignments I would give. I'd, I'd find things about people that I wasn't expecting to find, but all of a sudden, these people all of a sudden realized, gee, the, the family business doesn't exist anymore, or we're, and my dad says we're losing money hand over a fist, and my mom can't make a living in this anymore. i better do something else. Oh, I'll go to college. And these are people who normally, you know, in earlier times, would never have had any reason to pursue college because they had, in their eyes, a better deal waiting for them, and that changed around 2008 or twenty-nine. Really? And you had people going to college because they had no other job opportunities on their horizons, and that—that that to me was kind of a, a, a disillusioning moment as a as a college instructor, because I thought we, we were now really doing things within a you know an uphill battle. Well, we were trying to make people acculturated to college. Well, yeah, we weren't ever
2: when we graduated also there.
7: Th- now all of a sudden they realize gee, this isn't much fun but I've got to do something so you had a, a really lackluster group of students often who were completely disengaged they, they you know, missed more classes than they attended they didn't take any of their assignments that seriously they were, they were losing interest in everything at that point and they saw this as maybe their last you know, attempt to gra- you know, grasp the brass ring gee
2: we didn't they know anybody like that too. we didn't know anybody like that
7: no, no. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, no, but what, what we, you know, we, when I was you know, graduating from high school, it was you know, Catholic high school, I would bet no more than 25% of my graduating class went to college.
2: Really? In 1970? Well, actually, I'm gonna, I'll bet that at uh, Marist, um, everybody in honors did. Uh, but academic, oh, right, maybe right. half and, and I half. I in the
7: honors track, too. Everybody in, in the honors program went. But Mount know, we, we, Carmel drew from a very blue color part of the city, with the mills and, you know, the southeast side and ethnics and um, college was, you know, high school was the thing. And you were getting a better chance at a good high school education at Carmel than a lot of the other public schools nearby, but that was it for, I'd say, 70 to 75% of my classmates. Right. I mean, I, I told people that in later years, and I, I thought I must have gone to school, you know,
2: the most rural, <laughs> well, so got be got
7: bedraggled part of the country, but that was
2: that was always the case, I think. Merritts got a lot of people became um, policemen and so forth and firemen, but I'm going to say our, well, your year, you know, because you're an old dude, 74 when you graduated. Uh, I'm going to say just turned 70. <laughs> God, well, what a, oh, what happy, a birthday. That, huh? happy birthday, happy birthday! <laughs> but I mean, it, it was an it was an awful economy. 1974 when we graduated. Yeah. And every, I don't know of anybody, Bob maybe, because he was a accounting major, I don't know of anybody who had an interview for a job, do you?
7: Well, the, the interviews I got, and there were very few of them, the first thing out of the mouth of the person reading my resume was, boy, you're overqualified for this job. You know,
2: I'm sure you can find something else. I don't know of anybody. I never saw a sign coming out of economics. So I'm going to say our whole group, um, really with, with almost no... Uh, exceptions fled the grad school of some kind. Yeah. I mean I, I went you know, I went right to the University of Chicago, but but you could flee there for 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 what would I pay? I paid uh three thousand a year for grad school, University of Chicago. My whole grad school, twenty courses is less than one course now. That that is unbelievably scary. Well,
7: the only job you know the job I ended up getting, you know, a couple months out of college, Tom, was as a, as a typist. And I was the only male in a you know typing pool of forty people.
2: Oh, that must have had its benefits.
7: And I was I was the only college college graduate too, so I I certainly stuck out. But it was it was a learning experience, let me tell you. But that was I was damn glad to get that job.
2: <laughs> God, if you couldn't get a date there, you couldn't get a date in a prison with an armload of pardons for God's <laughs> say I I was. I, <laughs> People look at me with great suspicion. Oh, oh those, I could only imagine it. Anyway? Oh, God. Plus, <laughs> could you imagine.
7: can't be serious
2: dating material. <laughs> Plus, could you imagine going out with one of the 39 group? That would be that would be suicide. You couldn't do that. <laughs> On <God. laughs> that there fine
7: was, note. There not a lot of office romances <laughs> in that group, let me tell you. <laughs> oh,
2: God. On that, that fine note, SB Futures down 24, Nancy Futures down 95. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks.